Welcome to part two of my interview with Marie Burns, who is a finance guru, I'll call her. And it was a delightful conversation. If you didn't listen to part one, please go back and listen to part one before you listen to part two, because they really, they're companion episodes, but part one kind of leads into part two. So if you start with part two, you might be like, well, uh, where's that coming from? Because you didn't hear part one. So it's broken into really three sections, but the first two sections that we talk about are in part one. So listen to part one and then come back here and listen to this. And I hope you get a lot of great information about Number one, what's going on in your head as it relates to your money mindset? What's your relationship with money? You can learn a lot about it just by listening to these two episodes back to back. And then, okay, now that you know where you are, what can you do about it? What are the next steps? Because I I think most of us, the majority of people, particularly women, don't have their docs in a row, as Marie will say. And so it's super, super beneficial. And as we age, it's really important to have our docs in a row, which I think is a cute, cute little pun on the ducks in a row. But you got to get your ducks and your docs in a row when you get later in the later stages of life, because you don't want to leave your loved ones you know, we never know when it's our turn and you don't want to leave your loved ones in a pickle where your stuff's a mess and they don't know left from right or up from down. And she gives some great tips on that. So let's get on with listening to part two. Hi, I'm Lori Wright, also known as Not Your Average Grandma. I created this podcast as a place for women in their second half of life to go to to receive inspiration. If you are at a place where you believe your best days are behind you, it is my hope one of these episodes will spark you to think differently and lead you to a new belief that your second half may actually be your best half. I want you to stop seeing your age as a limitation and start seeing it as your superpower. You have years of experience and value that the younger you never had. So it's time to lean into that and use it to fuel your future. No more letting age or circumstances hold you back from the pursuit of a more fulfilling and fun life. The happier we are, the better the world will be. So instead of settling for what you don't want, how about going after what you do want? Listen in and let something you hear prompt you to take the first step in making the rest your best. Here we are back with Marie Burns for our part two of this amazing topic about our money mindset. And she is here with me. Hi again. Hello. Hello. And she is a mind money motion podcast, right? That's the name of your podcast. Right. So I just want to give you a little plug there again. But yeah, so if you didn't listen to the previous episode, it's so good because she shared some stories about some people who have really have been held back, had some really, I would say, trauma related money situations happen. And it can change your whole relationship with money and how you feel about money. So 
it's just a great topic. And I've never done this before. And I met Marie and I was like, I want you to come on the podcast and talk about this. And who better than an expert, right? Thank you. Thank you. Glad to be here. Yes. And so I touched on in the last episode that I I saw these, we wanted to talk about these three topics and I talk the specific to money mindset and getting your financial house in order, so to speak. But I saw them clearly as kind of a past um, or I'm sorry, I, I called it a present, a past and a future. So that's kind of the order we've been talking about it. And the last episode, we really focused on the present and the past. So please go listen to that if you haven't. But I will say these do stand alone. I think these will stand alone. What we're going to talk about now is future. And first of all, I want to say, give yourself grace for wherever you are. I know that I'm in a crappy place when it comes to managing my money. And I've purchased a course to learn Quicken. And my goal, personal goal, is to get all of my, because I have business expenses, and I have personal, and I do have a business credit card, but they're kind of all munged together in terms of managing my money. And I don't spend time doing it. And when I go to do my taxes, it's a nightmare. It takes me so much time to put it all in Excel spreadsheets and categorize it and do all the things. So my goal for 2024 is to get my docs in a row. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I thought when I talked to Marie, I said, you know, I don't think I'm the only one that has this problem. And she confirmed I'm not. And, you know, I think I'm getting old (laughs) enough that I need to put my big girl pants on and really get it together. And I'm happy to say, I don't know if I've told you this when we talked before, I have two daughters and one is 41 and one is about to turn 40. And I'm very happy to say that they have their act together better than me when it comes to their finances. Um, and so they found a tool they love called YNAB. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so they budget and they spend work towards a budget and they've tried to talk me into doing it. But of course that takes time. And I, it's not, it's never been a priority for me, (laughs) but I I think it's going to be a priority now. I want to make it a priority. And the other thing too is, and I think one of the things you talk about is what are you going to leave? You know, we we have to start preparing that when we go, somebody's going to come in here and have to figure it out. And do I really, and I have a spouse but he keeps his stuff separate than I do. And he has access to my stuff, but he didn't go in there and do it. He has, you know, that he said, we have, I visit him on as a joint on my account. So I need to start thinking about mm-hmm. that for that reason. Cause sometimes we do things for other people before we'll do them for ourselves. Right. Very true. Especially women. That's a good and a bad. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to, Well, first of all, what does it mean to have your financial house in order? That's a question. So this is the where women are actually more likely to do this because to many of us, it's just another way to love our family. And by getting your financial house in order, that just means it's kind of like the Murphy files. If somebody walks into your home or your office, are they going to be able to find what there is? to help you with, say you're in the hospital, you you need to get your financial house in order to the point where you have a list 
That's what we call the asset list, the net worth statement. Some people call it a personal financial statement. It's basically a list of what do you have so that if somebody needs to step in and help you, they have an idea of what are the resources to help you with from a financial standpoint. And then the piece of now what if you're incapacitated or gone, that they really need the detail and you need to have the detail done of how are all of those assets on the list titled? You mentioned you have something joint. Mm -hmm. Do you have a trust? Should it be titled in the name of the trust? Do you have beneficiaries, primary and contingent on your life insurance or IRA accounts? So all of that is really encompassed in getting your financial house in order. It's very estate planning-like, and yet it can be needed way before you're gone. And if we are aware that our spouse is not comfortable or aware, then it's even more important to have these documents in place, a trust, a will, powers of attorney, the asset list in place so that if the daughter is stepping in to help dad or whatever is going on, they have something to work with. Otherwise, it's digging stuff out of files that I have stories of, you know, a a case where a nephew agreed to be a single aunt's executor after she's gone. He lived on one coast, she lived on another. He flew to go through her condo and find stuff. There was no list. And he'd find statements and go to that bank and find out, oh, that's that bank account is closed. So it's much more time consuming, can be very expensive, probate or tax related. If you don't create this list and look at the detail of it, and then make sure your documents are current as well. Will, a trust, a power of attorney, financial and healthcare. Yeah. So I promise to be vulnerable. So I am going to stick to that. Just so everybody knows that my husband has his stuff. I have my stuff. He's given, he's written down on a legal pad and he's very old school when it comes to, you know, he doesn't type things up. So, but he's written it down, his, what he has, where the accounts are, you know, account numbers, et cetera. Yep. Yep. And he's put it in the safe. I think that's, I'm pretty sure he's put it in the safe. And he's told me what the, the code is to the safe. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember what the code is to the safe. <laughs> so yes, exactly. if something happened to him, I need to go ask him again. And I'll say, I've told you three times. And I'll be like, but I don't know what I did with it. So that is just, it's so silly. It's so silly. But I'm glad he did that for me. I have a password manager where all my stuff is in my password manager. And fortunately, my son-in-law works for me. And he has access to all that stuff because my husband, he is not very technical, technology oriented. And at least I know that somebody else besides me can get into my stuff with Mm -hmm. my, yeah. But yeah, it's funny how I, and I'm almost 65 and I'm acting like I've, you know, don't even think about this stuff. I, I remember my dad died suddenly when he was 72. And my mom didn't have a clue like where stuff was. And, you know, it was a terrible time. And I said to her, did you, because the whole social security thing changes and she could get his social security, which was more if he died. And so there was the, she, her, basically her, everything got cut in half for her. Right. And Mm -hmm. she, they were doing pretty well living off retirement and social security. And then it was cut in half. And so she couldn't afford, they were carrying a second house with a mortgage and she couldn't afford that. Anyways, I said, 
did you not ever talk about what would happen if something happened to one of you? Because she's, she's 70 and he's 72. And she looked at me like, and she said, no, no. I always thought he was going to die. I was going to die before him because his mother lived till in her late 90s. Mm. I always thought that that I'd die before him. But then she still didn't tell him what he needed to know. Right. So, but, that, you know, we don't have those conversations. We just no. don't ever think it's going to happen to us. It's the most back burner area of financial planning, this whole estate planning. And, you know, statistically in the United States, 60% of Americans die without any estate documents in place, no will even. And so the good news is we get older and wiser. I think the millennials, you know, the 20 somethings, only about a quarter of them, 25% have that kind of documentation in place. And then we look at the other end and by the time we're 70, right, we're retired Now, about 80% of us typically, by the time we're 70, have estate planning documents in place. The problem that I have seen over and over again is everybody feels, well, it's all in my will. It's all in my trust. It's all spelled out. I'm done. And the reality is, and that's, again, why I designed this net worth summary statement. The reality is, however your account is titled, let's say it's a bank account or your home, The title of the asset says where it goes. If it's joint, yes, the joint owner remains the the owner of the account. What if it's only in your name? Do you have POD on it at the bank, payable on death? Do you have TOD on on the home title if it's only in your name, transfer on death? So it's like naming a beneficiary on a non retirement account. And too often people don't know. That's where those things are going to go. It's all written in my will. Well, guess what? It doesn't go to your will. It will eventually go to your will, but it has to go through probate to get to the will. If you don't have a beneficiary on it or a joint owner or a trust owner. Anyway, I didn't know any of this stuff. This is the whole conversation. And the reason that I've designed my net worth summary statement, that's my get your docs in a row workshop. It goes line by line to explain why is this important? It's important because the bank is not going to go check your will or your trust. If your name is on this account, they're going to sit on it until probate paperwork comes in that they verify what it's worth and where the will says it goes. But probate has to happen first, which is Mm -hmm. a delay and a cost. So if you can avoid probate with a change or a beneficiary form, why would you do that? Yeah. Now, I will say I did do a a will with my ex-husband. And so when we got divorced, I updated it. So I have that done for my investment account. And so that's where kind of my savings and, you know, it's my, my, my account. But it's interesting. We do have a joint deed. We're joint on the house. But I don't think we have anything specified in there as to what would happen. Uh, right. What if both of you are in a car accident together? Yeah. Well, that answers that question. So this is what prompted me years ago to actually write. I wrote a before and after book. Itty bitty. What did it say? She's showing yep. something in, in the. Your amazing itty bitty before financial checklist. 15 important actions to complete before the loss of a loved one. So it could be you. What do I need to have my docs in a row? before I'm gone. And then the after book, the book that you buy and you don't read, you just put it in the file so that when somebody's gone, then you take it out and say, oh, this is what I need to do in the first month or the second month or the third month. Oh, that's great. And it's at least a guide. So that's on my website too. But I have to say that- And we'll link these up too in the show notes. So people have links. Absolutely. This whole idea of, I mean, where would we have learned any of this? We don't get personal finance in school. 
And too often, if we get our estate documents done, there's not a lot of conversation too often about now what's your estate planning homework, like the titles and the beneficiaries of things. It's no wonder that people don't know about this, but you have to proactively go look for the information if you want to make the changes and avoid headaches for your family. You want your family to thank you, not to curse you after you're gone, right? Yes, definitely. (laughs) Definitely. So what is the three-step change strategy for your money life? Yeah, I learned this from a gal who is very, in fact, I think she's a psychologist, but she was very militarily trained and she boiled it down. Really, any change that you want to make can be boiled down to the the acronym AAA. You, You have to acknowledge, which is this whole awareness piece that we're talking about, right? You have to acknowledge where you are and what even needs to be changed. Then you have to adapt. And that's really getting ready to change. So that's where some of these tools can come into place. And then you can actually advance when you do. So breaking it down to first being aware, yes, I acknowledge there's something that needs to be fixed or improved. And then getting ready to change, get yourself an accountability partner, go to a class, get a tool so that now you are ready to change. And then that's the actual advancing part when you're in the process of yeah. making change, whether it's using Wine app, which I think is you need a budget. Yeah. That's one of those automated, you know, link it to your bank account. It classifies things for you. And now you can see, oh my gosh, I spent this much this month on Starbucks, this month on eating out, this month on housing and, you know, whatever. So it's the awareness that's absolutely the starting point. And there's tools for all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. And just so people know, YNAB, I think it's just an app on your phone, but it's, it is. It, you need a budget is right. what I think it stands for, which is great. <laughs> but I love that three-step process because what it says to me is I, I'm in adapting, you know, I'm aware of it. I'm adapting. I'm at, at the beginning stages of yep. changing, learning new skills that I, and to me, the advance is, this is once you're making it a habit, you know, you're habitualizing this new skill you have or this change. Uh, And so that's key too, because you got to set aside the time, I think. Right. And one of the things that it helps also to be aware of how the brain works and when it comes to money or any other stressor, by the way, money is the number one stressor of Americans. The number one, it's the number one cause of divorce. So it's a key tool to get under your belt and feel more comfortable with. But from the standpoint of when you feel stress of any kind, let's say it's money stress, you have, and I'm way oversimplifying this, there's two sides to the brain, right? An emotional side and a logical side. And so when you feel stress, the emotional side just like wells up. And if, if you think of, if you've ever gone into, I've gone into a garage or a sporting event where all of a sudden there's a big change in the air pressure and the door slams. That's what literally happens in your brain. You, your emotional side wells up with all this emotion and it slams the door shut on the logical side. So you cannot engage the logical side. You are locked into the emotional side of your brain, which means you're so stressed, you can't think clearly and make rational decisions. So anytime we're talking about money at this point, if you are feeling emotionally, financially stressed, recognize that the door is closing. The only way you're going to crack it open 
is to pause. And the best way to do that is to breathe. It goes back to, remember when grandma used to say, take a walk, count to 10. Okay, what are you doing during that time? You're breathing deeply because you're upset. But that forced deep breathing, literally, if you take three deep breaths, five counts in and five counts out three times, that resets your brain. It cracks the door open to let the logical side engage with the emotional side. Mm, so that's great. Anytime you great feel emotionally steps, stressed, pause for three deep breaths. And if you're a spender, another great rule that I've found is sleep on it. Yeah. You're debating, debating. And if you have a set amount, that's even more helpful. If you have a set amount and the rule is if it's going to be over this, I have to talk to my accountability partner or I'm going to sleep on it or both. Nine times mm-hmm. out of 10, the next day you go back to thinking about what was I going to buy again or whatever it was. Oh, I don't need that. Totally different mindset. Yeah. So, yeah. And then, you know, it, it, there's the need and want conversation oh, too, right? Absolutely. I want, Do well, is it a need or is it a want? So you evaluate it as that too. And then I had somebody say once, which I thought was a really good, you, you know, it has to be a hell yes or a 10, like on a scale of one to 10, evaluate. Is it, is it a 10? (laughs) If it's not a 10, then. So that's another good thing too. Yeah. You could, and not everything can be a 10. Yeah. You could combine all that. Do your three deep breaths and then ask yourself, is this a need or a want? And is it a hell yeah? If it's a want, I love that. That's three. And then if you're still not sure, go home and sleep on it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Love that. So good. So what's a girl to do? You know, I'm a big believer that it starts with seeing and better understanding what you have. That's why I am. I I know that it seems so simple and so basic, but filling out that net worth summary statement is the absolute starting point. It reminds you of your resources, and then you begin to look closer. And as we get older, we start to think about, all right, so what if something happens and I'm not here anymore, or I'm in the hospital and I need somebody else to help? You have to think about how is it titled? How is it beneficiary? Do I have financial power of attorney documents drafted? Healthcare power of attorney documents? Are they on file at the institution? There's just a lot of things you can do to prepare for. You know, this is not and if this is a when you will eventually be gone. The incapacitated part is certainly an if, but the gone part, you know, death and taxes, right? Those are the two things that we know are inevitable in life. And so to not plan for that is really doing a disservice to our family in some way, shape or form, whether it's your significant other or the rest of the family that might be involved. So The first thing to do is to take a snapshot of what you have. And then you have to extend that to the estate planning documents, naming the right people. Who do you trust? Who's organized and and capable of the time that's involved in helping with incapacity and or being involved with the distribution afterwards? So the people decisions, the stuff decisions, you know, deciding how much to who and And if you have physical stuff, are there things that are heirlooms are important to you or of value that nobody else knows that you absolutely don't want sold and given to someone? You know, that's a whole nother, that's a a personal property disposition list. I have one of those printed out, fill it in on my website. 
Yeah, that reminds me something really sad happened in our family. My father had three sisters and they he was born in Boston. I was born in Boston. So everybody on his side of the family stayed in Boston, but us, we moved. And so my he had three sisters, my grandmother, they're all into antiques. And my they had an gr- antique store and my grandmother and it just like through the years just collected all these amazing antiques and the oldest daughter started to take care of her and take things from my grandmother when my grandmother started to get ill and she remarried somebody who didn't get along with the family and she died and it was rather unexpected when she died and guess who got all of the family antiques all of the family and there was not much left when she died because the oldest daughter had taken it to her house and then he and which so sad is she had a daughter and the daughter got nothing and his son who had nothing to do with the family I never even met. And yeah, he got everything and I think sold it. And so that's an example of how bad it can get. Yes. Uh, And maybe she didn't want a list, but somebody should have intervened and said, hey, let's make a list before. uh, And at least you'd have something valid from court that you could then go and say. Right. Yeah. And that, you're not that, dealing that, with really good people when people die. There's the the the, the whole even if they your family blood is can be worse. The nastiness comes out of the closet when somebody dies, and we're talking about ownership of things. Absolutely, and this is so not an uncommon story. The whole phrase and and statement that money changes people is absolutely true. And everybody feels like, well, not my family. I know them and and the, none of this would ever become an issue. So my advice from what I've seen is to act as if it could and just be very clear and put it in writing. And the beauty of a personal property disposition list is just an asset list of who you want to get what. Okay, this is not bank account stuff. This is physical stuff without a title on it. You literally can take a yellow pad, write a description of the item. Don't just say my vase. You say the color and, and you know where it is to my daughter. No, your daughter's name, specific item description, specific name, sign and date the bottom. That's all that's needed. You don't need an attorney to do this. You don't need witnesses. You keep it in with your will, your trust, your other documents, hopefully that you have in place. Something changes, you change your mind, it broke, you sold it, you gave it away already, you write a new list, yeah, shred the old one and replace it. It's yeah, but yeah, I think that's really, I think that's really good because what came up for me there is that it's good to have those conversations with people to see if they want stuff. Yes, you can't assume that they want something, and if they don't, nothing wrong with that, then you don't need a list, yeah, yeah. But what would you like? Or would you like this thing of, you know, I have something that belonged to my grandmother and grandfather, two chairs that came from, I think, India, because he was in the military and he was all over the place. So, yeah, they're really meaningful to me. So, yeah. And it's very common to have the stuff be way more a bone of contention with the family than the dollars. Everybody probably knows somebody that had exactly that situation. And it can be anything from as 
seemingly not valuable, you know, toy that a child played with when they were at grandma's house that is now disappeared and hard feelings and people stop talking to each other. I mean, this goes down a serious road, unfortunately. Yeah. 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 I know I have sad stories on just, you know, the importance of filling out a piece of paper. Like when I talk about beneficiary designations, you know, you think about your 401k as an example, or you mentioned divorce in the case of divorce. I can't tell you how many times that happens that somebody is working for this employer and they were either single or married and then something changes. They're divorced or now they're married and they were single. And I worked with a couple that he was a retired police officer and the wife watched the 401k go to the brother because he never updated. He was single when he went to work for the police department, got married and decades later had never updated the beneficiary designation. It's a piece of paper that can make a huge difference. And too often we get lax. And I I grill people when I'm helping them with their finances about, and who's the beneficiary on this? And at nine times out of 10, after we're going through everything, they're like, I don't remember. And it doesn't matter anyway, because it's in my will. Uh, No, whatever is on the account is where it's going. Oh, wow. If there is a beneficiary, and sometimes that happens, then it has to go through probate to get to the will. So it's very important. You don't guess at these things because it happens way too often that it goes to the wrong people. Or and that trying. brother and the wife probably oh. never spoke again. Oh, she tried. And his response was, well, if you wanted you to have it, I'm sure he would have listed you as the beneficiary, which you know is not. Aww. It was an oversight. Life is busy. Yeah. It's a piece of paper. That How long were they married? Decades. Oh, that's heartbreaking. Decades. I hope this is a value to somebody out there listening. Go check your accounts and get those updated. Yeah. That or is come to my workshop or get my net worth statement with the yeah. so you can start looking at what you have. And Definitely what you- get on your email list because you have great, like I said, I found you on a, you know, this another newsletter that you are one of the contributing authors to. And yeah, we wouldn't have even met if it weren't for that. So you put good stuff out there because it was enough for me to read. (laughs) Well, and if people visit my website, they can automatically sign up for my monthly newsletter. And so that tells them about everything that's new that's coming out, webinars, checklists, et cetera. Yeah. mindmoneymotion.com. Check it out. Thanks. Yeah. And as we close, one thing we didn't get to talk about, and maybe I can have you back at some point, but I would love to talk to you to see what your perspective is. And I touched on this in the beginning is to talk about the future as it relates to the possibilities. Because, you know, we're looking at what we have, we're looking at, you know, how our mindset got to where it is. But I would love to talk about creating a new mindset about what's possible. And actually, that we aren't limited by what's in our bank account. We aren't limited by our money mindset that we think. And we tend to live on what our experiences are and our wisdom that we've gained to this day. But there's new wisdom that can be gained and there's new possibilities ahead that we cannot even imagine would be possible. And so what is it you desire? What things aren't on your property list today that could be on your property list, you know, that it's, we're not done yet. We're not 
fully baked yet. And so what are the things that you strive to bring into your and attract in your life that will require some form of money? But then again, we always think, oh, to get that, I have to have money. Well, what if you have a skill set and you can barter your services and you can get something? What if, and just an example is I was going to go visit my daughter. I was talking about coming up in December and they usually come the week after Christmas, but I haven't been down there since like summertime. I'm like, I, I can come work for a week there. You know, I was looking at Airbnbs because her place, she has four kids and it's getting tight. The older they get, I'm like, basically when I come there, kicking somebody out of their bedroom. And so I'm open to get an Airbnb. And I was looking at the Airbnbs and I said, Hey, you know, what do you think about me? I didn't want to hurt her feelings. And I said, what do you think about me staying in an Airbnb? And she goes, that's a great idea. She said, well, let me ask in my neighborhood group to see if anybody has something. And she came back, two people are leaving and their house is available. Oh my goodness. And so like we limit ourselves because we think I need this money. I don't have this money, but what could be possible if you just didn't limit yourself to thinking that? Absolutely. That's kind of a conversation I thought would be fun to have. Absolutely. Because it goes back to that acknowledging, which is usually goal setting when we're talking about financial planning, you're acknowledging the possibilities of what you might want in the future. And then you're getting ready to change the adapt piece where now you need positive mind set. You're not only goal setting, but now your positive mind, you're talking positively to yourself. So that like you said, then the advancing part is you're open to positive changes. So I'm a big believer in that. It's like a magnet attracting. Once you have the goals in mind and you're doing the right self-talk, it just opens the door to possibilities, money or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So be open Absolutely. and just Absolutely. start to be aware. Yeah. Any last words, quote, anything that you want to share before we end? This has yeah, been great. Thank you. I'm glad that you have um, listeners out there that are obviously motivated usually to listen so that they can do something with the information and women, especially, you know, I'm a big fan of the, if it is to be, it's up to me in any aspect of our life. And because money touches us in so many ways And we are eventually, 90% of us anyway, going to be solely in charge of our household finances. This is a tool that you need to be more comfortable with. Whatever you need to do to get yourself to that point, start today. Yes. Put on your big girl pants. (laughs) Like me. Yes. <laughs> I'm with you. I I just want to say you're not alone in this. So Absolutely that's not. right. Right. Thanks, so sir. thanks. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you so much for tuning into the Living Your Spark second half podcast. If you'd like to watch my guest interviews, you can find the video version of this podcast on my Not Your Average Grandma YouTube channel. Also, you can check out what I have going on at the moment by going to my website at notyouraveragegrandma.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at notyouraveragegrandma. If you like this episode, please mention it to a friend and don't forget to leave a review so I know the topics you like best and can bring you more of that content in upcoming episodes. Last but not least, remember to always listen to that inner voice that will never steer you wrong and make living from the most sparked place possible your biggest priority. When we do that, we make the world a better place.